Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the Marvel Cinematic Universe in today's episode. What's this? What's this? The simply sensational standing ovation of Royal Dalton Musical. What is this? Welcome back to part two of myself and Meg going back through the Marvel Cinematic Universe and talking about everything that they've done in one way or another. We did phase one up through the Avengers in last week's episode, and uh, this week we're gonna we're gonna see how far we get. I think we have about an hour and a half of recording time available in this iteration, so got sports balls to watch. <laughs> there are. It is Sunday. Uh, the AFC NFC Championship games are on later in the day, and those are Mahomes taking away attention from anything else. That I have they my priorities can. in order. Yeah, someone does. Uh, so we'll see how far we get. Um, ideally, we could get through Phase Two in today's sitting. Um, we might get close, and um, we'll see. So that's where we're at. Um, so if there is a point later in this episode that feels a little stitched together, it may be because we had to record this episode in two sittings. Mm. We will see. Dun, so, dun, dun. yeah, let's, uh, let's get into it. Woo. Yeah. So <laughs> the Avengers came out. It was a huge hit. Everyone loved it. And um, it did a million dollars at the box office every minute that it was out and so on and so forth. So... Unlike nowadays, when you get like four movies a year that are Marvel films, it took a year for the next one to come out after the Avengers. That's too long. <laughs> is it? <laughs> yes, my patience is very low. Yeah. Because they were doing about two a year, or they were averaging like one a year in the first phase. Now they're averaging about two a year after that. They realized, we got something, we're going to make a buttload of money, let's get some more ideas out there. Make it rain on them hoes. Naturally, the first thing they went to was Iron Man 3. Yay. Yeah. Um, Iron Man 3, the only Iron Man film that isn't directed by Jon Favreau. It is directed by Shane Black, who, uh, are you familiar with Shane Black? No. He's from Pittsburgh. He is from Pittsburgh. He made Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with Robert Downey Jr. Okay. The Nice Guys. Yes, other things mm. the predator the new one yeah that's not that's not we'll ignore that one um so iron man 3 what do you remember of iron man 3 um i remember it was about the people who were blowing up extremists yeah. yes which uh actually i liked that concept i enjoyed that i thought it was interesting mm-hmm. different so, I guess of the, I guess since the Iron Man ones are more, a bit more military themed. Yes. As at least part of like the side story, depending what's going on. I thought this concept of it was, I think the most interesting of the military style plots to me. Right. I like that they brought 
happy into it since he was at the first, I guess, explosion. Yes, right. I guess not the first one, but the one that they sort of were made aware of. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of gets the ball rolling. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Of course, Extremist Program, headed by Guy Pierce, with the a really good name I feel that he has, his character has Aldrich Killian. I think it's yeah, a good it's name. Yeah, a good name. Better yeah. than Thunderbolt Ross. Yes, it is. <laughs> Thunderbolt <laughs> Ross. Um, and the there's there's a couple of interesting narrative devices in this movie. The first is that the whole film is framed like a therapy session to Bruce Banner. If you don't recall. I don't know if I do. I think like one of the first scenes is uh, Tony Stark is like laying on the couch with Bruce Banner. And he's like something something. He says like two lines. And then we flash back with the blue Dabba Dee Dabba Dai song. To the first time he meets Aldrich Killian when he's like a sniveling, snotty, mangy haired, pimply faced tech guy. Yeah. I hate that song, also. Why? It's just an awful song. It's annoying. A little. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then... How did you even remember the song which isn't there? I don't I mean, I just, I've seen the movie enough. Yeah. Then we... Then at the very end of the movie, we cut back. We get another glimpse of him laying on the couch and Bruce Banner sitting there, Mark Ruffalo, and he's asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which is which is cute. I think it's the like first end credit scene of the movie. It's like them, him being asleep. Uh, the other part of it though is like I mentioned the flashback. So Killian met Tony Stark decades ago when Blue Dabba Dee Dabba Die was like apparently a big hit at the clubs. <laughs> and we're also introduced to another character from Tony's past in Rebecca Hall. Playing Maya Hansen, uh, who is who is in the like begrudgingly like doing this for the right reasons, doesn't realize that the person she's working with is an evil mastermind villain, and uh, the good thing that she's developing is actually being twisted for evil, yes. kind of thing. Um, so there's that, yes, that little wrinkle. The old, I met this guy and he was rude to me, so I'm gonna spend the next twenty years of my life plotting against him. Yes, Killian. Um, yeah, so this one has a bit of a villain problem. I like Killian, but I think when you introduce the Rebecca Hall thing, then, which we haven't even mentioned, the Mandarin. Yes. Uh, who, I love the, what they did with this character. Yes, I um, also did. It's, uh, the, what's his name? Ben Kingsley. Yes. As Trevor Slattery, a.k.a. the Mandarin. Yes, that was a good twist when they show up and, yeah, yeah. the reveal of what he really is. <laughs> yes. Because in, and I haven't read the comics, but I believe in the comics, he's, the Mandarin's actually, like, a real villain. Mm. He does real things. And he was, I think, in all the marketing, the villain. It was the Mandarin. There was no marketing that indicated that Guy Pierce was, like, the real mastermind. So when you go see the movie, it's like, you've destroyed my childhood by neutralizing and neutering the the, the Mandarin character. Sort of. 
Well, I mean, it's just like, it's like one of those things where like fans of the comic books saw the movie and like, I like the Mandarin. Why did you fuck him up this way and make him a piece of shit? Meaningless character. But I like it. Yeah. I thought it made interesting. Yeah. I don't think he was meaningless. I think it's very well, interesting how the, I guess the idea of like, this person is the face of this thing and they're just yeah. like, well, really, they don't even do, they don't really do anything. Right. They're just there. Yeah. To to draw a parallel to Star Wars again, it just kind of feels to me a much lesser version of, like, I idolize this thing and you have made it something very different than what I've always thought it would be. That way. As to referring to what? Like, um, pretty much 90% of The Last Jedi. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so... There's a lot more behind, beyond that. Uh, there's a couple of like the lesser thugs in the extremist program. James Badge Dale as one of the fiery dudes who can blow stuff up and himself blows up, I think, at some point. I think they all do, really. Yeah, I think that's part of like I think that's part of what's wrong with the program is they're trying right. to make this thing and part of the process that is not going well when they're testing it is everybody keeps blowing up. Yes. Uh, one thing I like about this movie, and I think three is better than two for a couple of reasons, yeah. but Pepper, this is the best movie for her. Yes. She gets so much to do this in this movie. She gets to wear the suit at yeah. one point, which is so awesome. I. Uh, she gets extremis. She gets injected with it. Mm-hmm. Toward the end of the film. Yes. And As then, a way to basically try and make Tony help figure out how to fix it. Right. Yeah. And um, then proves to everybody how capable and powerful she is in her own right and doesn't need anybody's help. Yes. Except she does need somebody to find a cure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Slightly above her pay grade, that part. Don't a little blame bit. her for that. Yeah. Yeah. But this was one of the things I liked about the progression of Pepper is that she went from kind of the first movie where kind of a more stereotypical female side piece (laughs) character to now having much more to do, much more of her own thing going on Mm -hmm. and very independent and capable in and of herself. Yes. It's good. It's good stuff. And part of that progression also, you know, she's with Tony. I think the end of the first Iron Man, they're like together they have like a back and forth will they won't they stay together thing in the second movie to a degree and this one i think they're they're good yeah the biggest hitch in their relationship is tony's obsession with the iron man suits and all that stuff right he's got i think there's like a throwaway joke early in the film where she's like what mark number is this like four or five and he's like 30 <laughs> something like he has made like dozens and dozens of these iron man suits already yeah. which uh, is one thing i liked i like seeing all the variations of the suit and the different mm-hmm. things on it another scene i liked in this one was basically when tony invites is, is it guy pierce's character and basically invites him to come attack his house oh yes like here's my house yeah and yeah they send the giant warship and destroy the whole thing basically yeah. knock, knock it off the cliff that it's on he I, he he I think he's kind of, it's weird because he's the focal point of the Avengers. He's the one who catches the nuke, flies out into space with it, 
saves everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie does tries to show like the ramifications of that, especially mm-hmm. when he's off on his own in that deserted backwater town in the middle of the movie. But they also try to have it the other way too, where he feels like, especially early on, he's kind of uh, bulletproof, invincible. He's yeah. bulletproof, and he's this. He's like, I saved the world three times now. Uh, you know, I did what Thor and Hulk and Captain America and Hawkeye and Black Widow. I did the thing they couldn't do it, and he gets pro- shown that he's not invulnerable. Yeah, yeah. you know, he can be it's it's crazy like he's obviously i don't know what kind of defense systems he put around his house it seems like none like nothing i think he just i don't know if he just thought that with all his suits and all the stuff yeah, he they had wouldn't that he dare could to... just mm-hmm. he could take care of it and it would be fine right and uh he's very very much proven wrong yeah which mm-hmm. i'm i like yeah they have to show him hurt and so the result of that is that he ends up on his own out in this cold area. I don't remember what part of the country he's in, but it's like the south east south Tennessee, uh, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah. Something so I think something like that. And he meets Ty Simpkins, this kid who plays uh Harley Keener and basically he has to go through the whole for Iron Man 1 thing again where he has to rebuild the suit, you know, with somebody else. Somebody kind of. else yeah. helping him out that He's, like, hiding from everyone else around them just because he's Iron Man. And, uh... But I like that this movie gets a lot of Tony Stark outside of the suit because of it. Mm -hmm. He spends so much time in the Avengers in the suit. He spends so much time in Iron Man 2 in the suit. But he spends a lot of time in this movie out of the suit. Even at the final battle, you know, when he's there with Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. You know, there's a lot of them, like, attack, invading the place. He's not in the suit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it, it's really... I think there was some issues about that behind the scenes and, like, the making of the movie that Tony, that Iron Man, uh, the Robbie Darn Jr. didn't want to be in the suit as much. And uh, I'm glad they let him have that. Yeah. It goes a long way. Yeah. Don Cheadle doesn't get as much to do in this movie, though. No, not really. I think he shows up a little bit here yeah. and there, but... Yeah. Um, I don't think... There's not much else in it. Um, looking through the list here, I don't see many other... There's nobody else listed as a main character. So, you know, no Black Widow. There's really no other Avengers except Hulk as a rapper to the film, which doesn't really count. Yeah, he's just kind of there because he was. Was he helping him work on the suits? He was trying to help him with something, but I don't remember exactly what it was. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it just kind of gets. Um, I don't know. It does some good stuff. I think it's a nice new direction to take the character, and we get a little more of his like before before he's attacked. We get more of like his drinking problem and his. <laughs> substance abuse issues yeah. sort of thing and he's got problems <laughs> a little bit he's got some problems and uh, he needs pepper i think yes pepper needs to fix him keep him on track or not fix him but help him out yeah. quite a bit so uh iron man 3 anything else no 
That's it? I'm good. As I said before, the Iron Man, the Iron Men movies are not my... Not your jam. Not my most favorite. They're fine. Oh, one other thing before we move on to the next film. I love... What is what is the order he gives? It's like um, it's like house party, block party, when oh. when like yeah. all the suits that he's made show up at the end, piloted I, I by think the it's AI. House party, house party, know, something like that. Yeah, no, that part was funny. Where yeah, they, yeah, all of the all the suits show all up. All the independently operating suits just start showing up and attacking everything. Yes, big. I like that a lot. That was part of the. I liked the all the suits, the variation of the suits, yeah. and then you get to kind of see them all in action. Like, yes, in the big action sequence. I think like a couple of them are played for humorous effect and like like why would you even build a suit that does this? <laughs> like what are the possible implications of this? But yeah, it's good. There's there's good stuff there. It's a little a little uneven, but. So, after Iron Man 3, we hit another low point in the MCU. <laughs> yes. Uh, Thor, the first one, was okay. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. And they did not bring back Kenneth Branagh for the sequel. Uh, this is a movie direct... Uh, Thor the Dark World was directed by Alan Taylor, who uh, directed Terminator Genesis <laughs> and mostly got all his directing credits on TV. Yes. He came from TV. Looks so, like he did a bunch of the HBO series. Yeah. He did like some Mad Men, some West Wing, some all that, some Sopranos. And uh, naturally, that is the perfect choice to direct a giant Marvel blockbuster. Yes. That's the first Pre- thing I think of. Prestige TV, I don't know, equates exactly to superhero comic book movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this one, I don't remember almost any of it because i toned out basically the whole thing this is one i very distinctly remember playing on my phone or my ipad or something when we were watching it and i'd look up every now and then and be like what the fuck is this <laughs> it's and go back to what i was doing so this is going to be like a theme i think of the second phase movies but iron man 3 the bulk of the plot revolves around a conflict that tony stark has with a character from his past that we never met mm-hmm. right thor the dark world revolves around a conflict between Thor and a character that his um, his grandfather fought oh, was his grandfather? eons Not even ago. his dad? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Odin's father fought Dark Elf Malekith. Uh, arguably the worst villain in the MCU. You have slighted me. I will spend the rest of my life <laughs> plotting against you and your family. And, but the key thing the movie does do is introduces us to the either One yes. of the infinity stones it is red it is a thing that inhabits a person basically it's not contained like the tesseract was and after a little bit of backstory about how it existed in the dark elves and all that stuff uh it ultimately finds its way to earth naturally of course that's where Where else would it go (laughs) that's where everything goes and uh it ends up inside Natalie Portman. What a freaking shock. What Where a, else would it go? What a coincidence. Um, yeah. So we, we, we learn that Thor, after the events of Thor, came back to, the, to Earth for Avengers to help out there when Loki did. But yes. other than that, hasn't been to Earth. No, I think he just came to try and snag Loki and drag him back. Yeah. And... And we see at the end of Avengers, he and Loki leave, and they go back to Asgard. Yes. 
because Loki spends most of this movie in prison. <laughs> yes, the scenes where he's like in the background, like right. just screwing around. <laughs> uh, which means that he didn't go and see um, Natalie Jane Foster's character during Avengers. Yeah. Hasn't seen her in the however many years it's been. I don't know how many movie years it's been, but two years between when the movies came out. Yes, I don't know exactly how. Yeah. How Asgardian times compares well, uh, to Earth time. Well, I mean, I guess it would just be like if Thor's, I don't know, thousands of years old or hundreds of years old, two years isn't that much. No, for him it's probably been like a week. It's kind of like he hasn't yeah. called her in like three days and he's like, this is fine. Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> I'm getting old. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, which I don't like. I hate the relationship in this movie. It wasn't great in the first place. No. Yeah, it's not any better now. No, it doesn't get any better. If anything, um, I think I liked Natalie Portman less in this movie than the first one. Yeah. Which sucks, because, like, part of the movie, she's taken to Asgard. She gets to be in Asgard. And it's still underwhelming and, un- and exciting. Because isn't she sick or unconscious? Well, like, she has sick, the ether in her. The, the ether's in her. Yeah. So, like, they have to figure out a way to get it out. Yeah. And... So they take her to Asgard, because they do, and she's just there. Yeah. Which becomes an important plot point when we get to Endgame, but otherwise... It doesn't really serve much purpose. It's not like they made her, like, a a goddess of the, wherever, you know, Asgard or anything, or it didn't really do anything. Mm -mm. It's just like, oh, she's sick, so we'll take her back here and see if we can fix it. Yeah. Hmm. But there's Loki. Always a bright spot in the Thor movies. My guy Loki. He's great. Causing shenanigans as always. Yes. This is the first time he pretends to die. <laughs> yes, which is probably <laughs> the best one. Yes. This, I think, was my favorite fake Loki death. Since he pretends to die and then pretends to be his dad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because he teams up with Thor, which is great. I love when they're working together, even when they're like at odds. Especially in Ragnarok. Yeah. I always um, like when they like sort of begrudgingly are like, okay, like, let's figure this out. Yes. And, uh... Because which movie is the one where, like, Loki's like, I don't want to play the My Brother is Dying <laughs> yes, game again. Yes, that's Ragnarok. Yes. yes. So good. <laughs> and, yeah, so he gets to be a quote-unquote good guy yes. for a bit in this movie. Sacrifice himself so chivalrously, so nobly, and uh, ultimately pretend to be odin and take over asgard because he's such a good guy yeah 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 i think like that happening and that sort of sets up some of the other things that happen in ragnarok Mm -hmm. that aren't super important but they're pretty hilarious yes (laughs) uh so that was probably the highlight of the movie it's true i think it is uh we get anthony hopkins as odin again and anthony hopkins playing odin pretending who's actually loki is the best odin i think especially more so in ragnarok since we don't get too much of that in this one but i love it yeah and the afghans looks like he's had so much fun when he's loki yes since loki's a bit bit melodramatic most of the time yes uh we also get um stellan skarsgård makes an appearance shrug uh cat dennings is here 
with uh, probably the only thing I really remember about her character in any of the movies is when she ha- she is Jane Foster's intern. And then she gets, she gets her, her own, own intern. intern. Yeah, that's the only thing I remember is yeah. her like bitching at her intern yes. like the whole time. Yeah. So. She's still not helpful. She's uh, pretty useless. Yeah. Then the Warriors 3 and, and Lady Sif are all still there mm-hmm. doing yeah. what they do, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Renee Russo as mom. Mom. Again, mm-hmm. I think she gets like a scene or two with Natalie Portman, yeah. but underwhelming. Uh, I think that's a theme of this whole movie was underwhelming. <laughs> underwhelming. Yeah. We get Malekith, the villain. He is a dark elf. I don't he's... remember what he looks like. I don't remember what he does. I don't remember anything about this dude. He's played by Christopher Eccleston, who was one of the doctors on Doctor Who at one point. He's not really a household name in any sense. Uh, but there's a quote here on Wikipedia where Eccleston is talking about Malekith and describing who the character he's playing. And one of the lines he says is, what I thought about a great deal was revenge. There's a huge amounts, there's huge amounts of revenge. That's it. That's all the motivations we have for this character. There's not much more to it. Yeah. Villain problem. Um... So, Thor the Dark World. The end. I will say, <laughs> there's a scene where, right right when Thor's breaking Loki out, he's still um, clad in, like, handcuffs, Asgardian handcuffs, and they're walking through this great hall, and the camera, there, there's these giant pillars between the two of them walking and the camera filming, and... There's like a minute-long sequence where every time he passes through a camera, he switches his appearance. Yes. He turns into Captain America. <laughs> he turns into uh, Jane uh, Natalie Portman at one point, uh, which is really funny. Yes, I do enjoy that. And so like you get this great Captain America cameo where he gets to like be Loki, but also not be Loki, and it's fun. <laughs> it's good. I like. It's Loki. I mean, Loki's Loki's why you watch these movies. Yeah. It's pretty much. Yes. Yeah. Loki, Loki especially is there for shenanigans, but the shenanigans are generally the best part of the movie. Yeah. Uh, as far as the dramatic Shakespearean elements that we got in the first Thor, I felt like those kind of start to slip away in this one. Yeah, this one's still, I think, a bit more of that tone mm-hmm. than Ragnarok obviously is. But, yeah. But, yeah, this is sort of a... I don't know. I mean, it's not... It's Kenneth like, Branagh knows what he's doing in those films. Yeah. I don't feel like Alan Taylor does. No. You know, because even, like, Lost, The West Wing, Six Feet Under, Sex in the City, The Sopranos, Game of Thrones, Boardwalk Empire, Deadwood, and Mad Men, none of those are Shakespearean dramas. Uh, no, not really. And the closest you're going to get to that is Game of Thrones. And that... I don't know what time he was in Game of Thrones, but it might have been even after Thor came out. So, Alan Taylor, get him out. Get him out. out, Make him leave. Yes. Give him the boot. Yes, please. So, uh, Thor the Dark World. Clipping along. Clipping along. Move right past that one. And so so that came out in November of 2013. Uh, The next film wasn't until April. And it is 
one of the films that almost always appears in a top five Marvel movie list. It is Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Yay! And so Captain America, the sequel to that movie, is going to be the most strikingly different from its predecessor, simply because 70 years have passed. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's already gone through Avengers, so now he kind of has a place in the world, but it's a place in a very different world than the real world. And he has no place in the real world. Everything he known he's known is gone, except everything he's done in Avengers. So naturally, uh, he's latched. He's attached to Black Widow in this movie. He's attached to Nick Fury, who gets another significant role to play. And this movie, more than any of the others, I think, shakes up the foundations of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. In a very real way. I remember in the TV show, which when this episode, when this movie came out, the TV show concurrently underwent a huge shift because you find out that the entirety of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been infested with Hydra agents. So, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was pretty pretty impactful and, and made that show infinitely better immediately. But we're talking about the movie. Yes, I guess that's the that's the thing, right? Um, so uh, after the events of the Avengers, Captain America decides I'm just going to work for Shield. I like doing good things for good people. I'm a military man. This seems like the new military for me. Mm-hmm. I work under Nick Fury. Seems logical. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I trust Nick Fury at this point. Yeah, no so at this point, other than. Uh, Nick and the rest of the Avengers, it's like, he doesn't really know anybody else (laughs) that's still alive and around, for the most part. It's like, Earth is like this giant party, and he's clinging to all the people he knows in one corner of the, of the, like, living room. He's me. Yeah, that's, I mean, me. (laughs) Yeah. And so, he just kind of stuck, kind of, with Fury and whatever he's wants him to do. Going out on the missions that he's asked to do that he can do that no one else really can because of his abilities right black widow yes big role in this movie probably bigger than even avengers because there isn't tony stark and thor and everybody else to have to cater to as well yes which is nice that's one of the things i like i always liked i like the interactions between um scarlett johansson's character and chris evans character i think the two of them have nice chemistry chemistry. in the movies yes that's another thing that one of the things i really liked in endgame was the one scene where i guess we'll we'll probably get to it later but there's a scene where the two of them are basically just Mm -hmm. talking it's great it's one of my probably favorite scenes from the movie Mm -hmm. all the other things are good yes the two of them just work very well together we add anthony mackie as the falcon yep sam wilson he's good Mm -hmm. on your left (laughs) Is a is a huge moment in the franchise, both in this movie and later on. Yes, I like all the scenes of yeah them running and yeah. Captain America just like shooting past him while he's like trying to like stay ahead of him yeah. every time. Doesn't work. Nope, nope. not possible. <laughs> uh, you know, getting you know, it's I I think the the movie kind of hand waves um, the fact that he like 
has this weird falcon suit that he flies that he's like a paramilitary rescuer guy it's just like i'm that done <laughs> and then like it doesn't go into any more detail we don't get no. any backstory on on sam wilson which is yeah. fine yeah. i think but yeah he's oh. just he's there he, he is here now this is a part of this movie yeah okay yeah. i guess yeah i like him I yeah like, i like him too i like chris evans seems to work well with pretty much everybody else mm-hmm. in the rest of the movies yep there's not a lot of people like it's not like uh chris hemsworth and natalie portman like those things were like the chemistry there's nothing there yeah he has very good interactions i feel like with almost every other character that he works with i think he and falcon work well together i agree another good good buddies that i like that i like bring comes up for some comedy moments later on Mm -hmm. when our when your old favorite bucky shows back up eventually yeah before we get to that leaving that towards the end i guess uh we get Haley Atwell in this movie mm-hmm. as old, ancient, decrepit Peggy <laughs> oh, Carter no. in the hospital. Yes. Which is sad. That is sad. I'm glad she was able to play Peggy with yes. all the makeup. It looks pretty good. Yes. I'm glad they brought her back as like mm-hmm. kind of like a, you know, yes. thing that Cap needs to go. Like they could have cast like a Betty White type. Yeah. But I like that they stuck with yes. Haley Atwell. I like that he's still devoted to her, yes. even. Uh, we're also introduced to Emily Van Camp, who plays Sharon Carter, um, who is related and a descendant of Peggy Carter. Yes. Niece? Is that who she's supposed to be? Um, Great niece? I think she's granddaughter. Yeah, I don't think... Nope, it'll tell me. Uh, da, 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 da. Grandniece. Okay, yeah. I think. Yeah. That seems about right, yeah. Yes. Uh, so that's nice. I, I think, I feel like the movies had higher ambitions for her that aren't going to come to pass because audience was like, no, he should be with Peggy. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this is... I think for a lot of people, them being together would be kind of weird. Yeah. Mm, so. I liked Emily Van Camp. I liked mm-hmm. TV show Revenge. I liked her a lot oh, okay. on that. Yep. Um, I wouldn't have minded her in the movies as like more of a Maria Hill type of role. Sure. Like just a regular S.H.I.E.L.D. person. I agree. But yeah, I don't really necessarily like her as a romantic foil to Captain America. No. I th- Actually, I think that's one of the people he doesn't have great chemistry with. Thinking back on some of the scenes that's true. that they were in. I think so. One of the few people. Yeah. yeah. The two of them didn't go great together. Uh, she works at S.H.I.E.L.D. And she's a good person. She is not actually Hydra. So, nope. points there. People who are actually <laughs> Hydra. Frank Grillo, who works with Cap on a couple of their his missions. And it's... I guess we'll get to it when we get to Endgame. But, which I'm sure we'll say a lot throughout this. But, just like, later on when they like look back on this part of the movie... Mm-hmm. And everybody's just like, how do you not know that they're bad guys? You know, like, <laughs> how do you how do you not know? Yeah, we're getting um, to the point in the movies where there's going to be a lot of callbacks yes. from Endgame. Uh, but more interesting than Frank Grillo is Robert Redford playing the senior official, member of the World Security Council, old friend of Nick Fury, but also he's Hydra. What a dick. So good. I love Robert Redford. Yes, he did very well. He's great. 
He's like not the kind of character or actor you would expect in movies like this. And he pulls it off great. And I think most of that is because Winter Soldier, to its credit, doesn't have magic. Doesn't have aliens and space shit in it. It doesn't have, like, Captain America is the most ridiculous thing in this movie. And he's just, like, a guy on steroids. To the, like, 20th degree. Yeah, there's not really crazy weapons. There's Mm -hmm. not... And there's the suits and the idea of the Captain America suit. And hmm. does Falcon get his suit in this movie? Nah, Falcon has like, I mean, he has like the wings, but yeah. he just has a normal military grade suit. Yeah. Even like superhuman powers, there's not a ton of. Mm-mm. And the la- later, the main fight scene, obviously, is two super powered su- guys. Souped but... up dudes fighting each other, but they're just having a fist fight. Yeah. Basically. If they weren't super powered, it'd be probably the same fight with weaker punches. Yeah. There's nothing really in this movie. And that's what kind of one thing I liked. Like I had said before that I really like the Captain America vibe of like the like World War Two, the forties vibe. And this one's very much almost like a spy movie. Yep. Spy thriller type thing. Really. It's almost more of that and just happens to be happening with superhero characters. Yeah. Because that part of it other than it's Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. and Captain America. This could just be a regular movie with a bunch of normal people like, in it. It could just be James Bond and the American government infiltrated by the Russian government. Like, yeah, boom, same movie. Yeah. With less explosions, possibly. And, and even the fact that it's not super superhero-y, comic book-y. It's still, I think, one of the best movies of the series. Yes. So. Definitely. Uh, we get, uh, we get back, um, Toby Jones yes. comes back as the AI computer yes. sort of thing, which that is interesting. That was one thing I really liked when they went to that old, supposed to be an old shield bunker, right? Yes. Yes. In what, Jersey? I think so. <laughs> yeah. And they go there and there's this whole like dusty old like computer stuff from however long ago, still being run by the. An- animated version of what's his doctor's doctor zora is that what he was zola zola yes dr zola um no it's gonna take me a second to find it so i'm not sure yeah i think it's dr zola that sounds okay. sounds legit yes arnim zola cool yeah yeah I it's really, really like nice that. it's really good yeah nice way to it's a nice way to keep him in this series uh in a way that's feels organic yeah like yeah I believe Hydra would do something like this. Yeah. Or that he would do something like this. Right. Like, I am such a great masterful mind. I yeah. cannot be destroyed. Yes. Walt Disney. And as, like, a giant mastermind, I also love how he tells the whole plot of what they're doing <laughs> to the good guys of the movie. Like, yep. Sort of like a James Bond villain. Like, this is my big plan. I'm going to tell you all about it while you're standing here. Sure thing. Okay. Good call. Uh, so, um... I guess kind of I've avoided it as long as I could but uh, we The Winter Soldier is in the title of the movie so we're probably going to have to address it at yeah, some point. Yeah, we have to I guess get to Sebastian Stan who did not die when he fell off the train. Much to your chagrin. I know. <laughs> and uh, since then, since then, he uh, was brought back. Mhm. He was found by Hydra. Yep. And they have outfitted him with a mechanical arm Mm -hmm. they have trained him to be a savage assassin killing machine 
They have hard-coded into him various commands and things so that he follows their every wish and desire. Kind of like a Pavlov's dog. You hear the bell, you do the thing. Exactly. And so he is the main physical antagonist in the film. Yes. He is being controlled, but he is the fight thing that they're fighting physically against. Yes. And his appearance in the film uh, is great. When he shows up, uh, I think the first time we see his face is when Cap throws his shield from on the uh, building tops because mm-hmm. he tries to kill Fury, I believe. Yes, he kills, quote-unquote, Kills, quote-unquote, Fury. Fury. Yes. Flees, Captain America follows him, chucks his shield like the most dangerous frisbee in the world, <laughs> and we get this great shot of Bucky with his mechanical arm reaching back and just catching it. Yes. And we know who it is, or at least I knew who it is, seeing him. Like, he has the mask on the bottom half of his face, but I I felt like it was pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh, And Cap, of course, is still not sure who it is, I don't think. I don't remember when he finally, like, I don't know, does he realize it at that point? Once he, like, sees his face a bit? I'm not sure. I remember if there's another scene later where he sees his, like, whole face. I think when they fight over the, on the overpass, Mm -hmm. I think he definitely sees his face then. But I don't remember if he sees it at that point. I don't think he does. Yeah. I don't remember when the Initial, great uh, face reveal was. Yeah. But it's a great introduction to the character. At this point, I'm still on board. <laughs> so I really liked when he he kills Fury. This yeah. is before we sort of know what's going on. Right. Just all of a sudden, some <laughs> rando motorcycle biker man <laughs> yes. shows up, kills Fury. And then later, Cap goes home in his dark apartment. Fury's sitting there like... Yep. Here I am. And basically explains, like... Because at this point, Cap, he doesn't know what's going on. No. He's like, what the hell is this? And Fury tries to be like, everyone else is bad. I am good. S.H.I.E.L.D. is full of bad dudes. And Cap's like, okay. Sure. Yeah. I think he's still a little skeptical at this point. I mean, who wouldn't be? Yeah. Because even... I mean, even if S.H.I.E.L.D. is infected with Hydra, it can't all be bad guys. Right. Right. And, which, you know, it gets into that, like, spy thriller element, like, well, who can you trust? Right, because then it becomes Black Widow mm-hmm. sort of trying to figure out what's going on her way. Yeah. Well, Captain America's like, all right, who's a bad dude and who's not a bad dude? And the two of them aren't really communicating so great. No. So. Takes them a little bit to get together. Takes a little bit to, yeah. Yeah. He thinks she's being suspicious. She's trying to also figure out what's going on. So, Cap decides to trust Fury, yep. initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, he eventually, you know, I think he trusts Natasha yes. fairly much. Um, I think he also trusts Sharon mm-hmm. yep. without questioning. Yes, uh, because I don't know, I think initially he thought she was just his neighbor. Yes. see every now and then in the hallway, yes. and then finally she's like, okay, yeah, I work for S.H.I.E.L.D. too. Right. Um, he's, and he decides, I trust you. And then he also decides to trust uh, Falcon, this guy that he doesn't know, just met, yep. basically. They the- sort of bond over there. I guess, like, one of the things they Falcon is doing is basically, like, helping soldiers mm. with PTSD yes. type thing. Sort of, like, therapy groups. Great guy. Which I think is something I think that Cap sort of, like, oh. Respects. Yeah. He probably could use also some of the therapy sessions. Yeah. Definitely could. <laughs> 
So, and I, on the one hand, like, I point this out because, like, how convenient that the people he chooses to trust, these people he doesn't really know at all, are the good guys. But, on the other side of that, I think, it shows how much he is Captain America. He mm-hmm. sees the good in people. Like, that is his thing. Yes. Like, he is, he is, like, down to earth, really good person. And he sees that in others. Yes. So... It's a it's a balancing act. I like I like it, and I it's a little convenient, but I like it. <laughs> yes. So, they all get together. They hatch some sort of plan. Uh, they go find mystery man in the bunker. They figure out the plot. They know. Um, there's the elevator scene. I guess we're getting <laughs> that's getting towards the end of the movie. But there's the elevator scene, which yes. is great. Great. Yeah. And ultimately. As much intrigue and and thrills and spy stuff as there is in the first two-thirds of the movie, Mm -hmm. the final act does kind of turn into a slugfest, with the exception of Black Widow, Fury, and Robert Redford's characters. Right. At that moment. But everything Cap does after that is, like, just all... He's just punching and kicking. (laughs) Yes. Um, Which is fine. Like, that's what he does. Right. Ultimately. And, uh, you know, the uh, the overpass fight is great. Mm -hmm. Um... A lot of great like knife work and uh, explosions and stuff, and it shows, I think, quite capably that Sebastian Stan as the Winter Soldier is absolutely strong enough to fight with Cap. Yes, and he's basically the Hydra version of Captain America, yes. pretty much. And so, what I like about that is that I think Captain America also understands this, and I think he realizes that the only way he can beat him. Is not physically, but to break him of his control. Trying to get to his soul by speaking from his heart. Yes, try to penetrate his soul (laughs) with his heart, basically. And that is where it loses me from a Bucky perspective. As soon as he stops being the Winter Soldier and parts of Bucky seep through, I become vastly less interested in this character and the more Captain America continues to love and care this about this guy, the less I care about the relationship. Why? I just... I hate it so much. <laughs> That's why. But why? Why I, do you hate it? I hate it because it's basically... So we just saw Bad Boys for yes. life. Mm-hmm. That was our... That was our... Speaking, <laughs> speaking to the soul through the heart reference. Yeah. And that movie does a similar thing where it introduces... You've got Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Somebody's trying to kill all these people in the movie. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the movie, spoilers for Bad Boys for Life, but who gives a shit? Um, Will Smith is like, don't worry, guy who's been trying to kill everybody. I love you. I'm going to be there for you. I care about you. We good, basically. Yeah. And, and then the bad guy's like, oh. Okay. Thanks. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'll be good now. I didn't mean to kill dozens of people. That and... you care very much about. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and... And I think that they, it's done a little bit better in Winter Soldier, I'll I'll admit. Yes. But I still think there's a lot lacking. I think there's a lot of character work for Bucky that is missing. I think as as much as I realize and understand that Cap totally cares about Bucky, they were best friends. We had a whole movie where they were best friends. But it never feels like he reckons with all the terrible things Bucky has done. And I think that comes, that's even a bigger problem when we get to Civil War. Right. I can agree with that. I think Bucky 
is a character we could use some sort of flashback or movie or something between like when they find him and will the hydra's making him out to be this thing right from what they reveal that he did in civil war like that could be a because some sort of something by itself because if and i i could be wrong um but I, I think we do get some flashbacks in civil war when we find out that there are other buckies that exist but every time all of those flashbacks that involve bucky he's turned already we never see him resisting we never see him yada 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 mm-hmm. you know we find out he killed howard stark we find out he killed this 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 he's attacked these people he's tried to kill fury multiple times and it just it, it just it for like again and this kind of goes back to like cap seeing good in people i was gonna say that's basically what like, he's doing he's, he does but i think there's gotta be a limit there has to be because if like i don't know does he see good in in like like there are other characters who are villains in this franchise i would say that winter soldier is more of an antagonist than a villain but there are villains true villains in this these these movies that definitely come from a place of like good intentions and never see him see good in those people you know i think he always wants to bring people to justice but I don't really see that when he when he's interacting with Bucky. He's like, I want to get you rehabilitated and be my best friend again. And I don't really see him like, I want you to be in prison for the rest of your life to repent for all the crimes you did. Whether or not you had control of yourself, you still killed all these people. Like, he can't just walk around the street because everybody recognizes him as the guy who, like, killed the president of Wakanda in Civil War. He, you know, blew up this, blew up that, and... I think there's just a lot of, lot of, it's a very complicated relationship, right? For a very complicated character that the movies don't do enough with. Yeah, to I think get it me could on use board. some more fleshing out. Yeah, but I think it speaks to a little bit too. You figure, uh, Cap is around. Mm-hmm. He has old Peggy who is dying, basically. Yeah. And otherwise, Bucky. That's basically all he has from when he was younger. From yes. So it's almost like, you know, you still have this person who also has not really aged, much like you. Yeah. So it's sort of one of those things, like, if your family, if somebody in your family, if your brother does something awful, how far do you let him go that you feel like you can still forgive him? And how much do you feel like, you know, he's really a good person. I know he is. Mm -hmm. Like, I can bring him back. I can fix it type thing and i think part of it is that as you figure like you know he to him but they're almost like you know best friends are like brothers agreed it's like you know i there's there's this still this person from my past and i recognize him and he's here now with all these people that i sort of kind of know (laughs) right all this weird stuff going on that's not you know sort of a link back to then just you know probably part of it he just wants wants that back Mm -hmm. so i can see that and i think it kind of speaks to a flaw in captain america and you know he does see the good in people he does want to do the right thing clearly there was definitely good in bucky when they were friends back in the day and as the movies go on and as we get more info on info on bucky now there is still good in him once you can get through his you know programming but i think 
unlike a lot of the other interactions we see with Cap with people who've done bad things, he's kind of blind to Bucky, you know, in that sort of like, this is this was my brother kind of way. And it ultimately, you know, is a thing where like, he does not have the best judgment when it comes to Bucky. He does not do everything as he probably should have, should when it comes to Bucky, especially in Civil War, not as much in Winter Soldier, but like it starts here. Right. You know, he's willing to risk everything on the chance that Bucky won't kill him. He's willing not to risk his own life. And if that was just his own life, I rec- I get it. Like, I-, I realize that that's something that he would probably be willing to sacrifice. But he's not just risking his own life. He's risking so many lives by doing that. And I think it speaks to his own mistakes and flaws, but also his own kind of overconfidence in his ability to get to the goodness in people and i think he gets through to bucky at the end of this movie enough not completely because right. they're not friends at the end but i think i i think if he were able to realize the risks he was putting people in by what he was doing more in this movie i would i would be more okay with how it plays out i think that's fair. Yeah. I'll allow it. So, I still love the movie. Don't yes. get me wrong. I think it's a great movie, but I have my problems with Bucky. You do not love Bucky. Not a big Bucky fan. One thing I did like with Bucky was at the end of the movie, once he sort of, he, he and Captain America sort of part ways at the end, and Bucky sort of goes off to do whatever, whatever. he's going to do now. Yeah. I do like where he goes to the Smithsonian and sort of sees the memorial. Mm-hmm. There's, like, the Captain America almost, like, exhibit there, and there's a section for Bucky, and I do like that part where he kind of goes back and sort of, you know, like, oh, this was who I used to be before. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, I don't know if they wiped his memory, but I think, like, way down in there, there's still a little bit of it. But. Yeah. You can sort of feel that he's, like, trying to climb out of this deep, deep pit he has dug for himself over the last 70 years. Yeah. Or rather, that has been dug for for him more yeah. so. I did like that. I liked him going to see that. Yes. That's nice. I like that part. Um, Something we haven't mentioned. Uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. The first Marvel movie they direct, uh, but would be... So, going on four Marvel movies that they've directed at this point. Mm -hmm. As they would later come back for Civil War, and then Infinity War, and Endgame. So, uh, they're a pretty big deal in the MCU. Yeah. Of the, I think they've directed some, probably some, a lot of the, my favorites out of the whole franchise. Yeah, they've uh, they got a good track record. Yeah, uh, and not just yeah, out, even outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they've done some good stuff. So, are we ready to move on to the next one? Yes. So, April twenty fourteen, we got Captain America: Civil War, and. It had been a while since it had been over almost four, three years since we'd had a new franchise in the Marvel Universe. And then we get cult hit, indie sleeper, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, it's a bit of a tonal shift from some of the other movies. Directed by the wonderful James Gunn, who has directed... Among other things, Scooby-Doo, 
and Scooby-Doo 2. Oh, great. Excellent. <laughs> no, he wrote those. He didn't write those. <laughs> I don't know if that's better um, or worse. Uh, but he, he again, he kind of made his, his thing in small movies, indie movies, Slither, Super. Uh, and, um, and then he gets tapped to do Guardians of the Galaxy, which, very much like Iron Man, is a character that wasn't the they're not the biggest comic characters no i don't i don't think i'd heard of any of these like i'm not a comic books person but i knew who iron man was like i knew who i don't know if i knew thor comic book thor but i knew who thor Mm -hmm. the god thor is captain america yeah you know um characters who've had movies in the past we've had hulk movies we've had a captain america movie right spider-man spider-man of course spider-man is yeah even I think I had heard of Ant-Man. Okay. Who's not... I don't... I might have. It's so tough at this point to remember. Yeah, like who you knew beforehand and who you didn't. Definitely would not have had any idea who the Guardians of the Galaxy are. No, not a chance. But... This was when I was very skeptical. Because this was another one being, you know, I read BuzzFeed all the time. Yeah. And they... They enjoy their MCU at Buzz, BuzzFeed. But this was another one, the ones where everybody's like, oh, Groot is so great, and everything is so great, and everything is everything's awesome, and everything's hilarious, and I love Groot so much, and I love Rocket, and blah, blah, blah. And I like, look at the list of characters, and I'm like, there's a tree? And yep. all it says is, I am Groot. Yep. And there's a raccoon that talks. Yep. And there's a... Green woman. A green woman. There's Dave Bautista, who used to be a WWE wrestler. And the and lead like, is a hyper uh worked out muscly chris pratt from parks and rec yes i'm just like how how is this anybody i'm like this doesn't even sound like it makes any kind of logical sense at all no uh so chris pratt as peter quill star lord zoe saldana as gamora dave batista as drax the literal destroyer uh vin diesel as groot (laughs) That, I remember when you told me that, and I'm like, no, it's not. And you're like, it is. And I'm it like, is. no. And Bradley Cooper as Rocket. It's, <laughs> Which is another one who I it's don't... It's so great. Like, the two of them, even knowing that that's Bradley Cooper, just doesn't compute in my head. It's great. Still. And I I was I pretty... I don't remember how skeptical I was when it came out. I don't know. I don't think I was quite as skeptical as you were, or at least as you're saying you were. Uh... But I think I like I think this is one of the ones I went and saw at opening night and like I was like, this should be fun. And I think why I thought that is because back when I still watched trailers, the trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy is pitch perfect. Because the trailer knows you don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> and so it's basically just that that one scene where like they're like showing who all the people are and like this is what this person is, this is what this person is, right when they're getting cataloged into the prison. And it's like we get you. We know what we need to do. These are who these people are. You're going to love them. And I did. Yeah. They're so much fun. They're an excellent ensemble. It's it's kind of crazy. It's like they tur- they took the Avengers and pulled it off with characters you'd never met before. Yeah, they made, made some like weird space version of the Avengers. Yeah. You got... With like way jacked up weird characters. Yeah. Uh, Peter Quill, Star-Lord, main character, uh, from Earth. Mom dies when he's very young. Yeah. Sort of stuck Ab- in the 80s, because that's w- yeah. what he remembers. Abducted by aliens. Yeah. Michael Rooker, blue alien. Mm-hmm. And um, 
kind of a thief brigand yeah he sort of got pirate dude. abducted and sort of adopted by this group of space bandits the basically. ravagers yeah as they call themselves so now he's kind of a space bandit yes. basically gamora green yep fierce powerful lady who happens to be the daughter of thanos uh which will be very important yes uh and is ta and so she and peter first interact when he ultimately finds the uh, i found one of the infinity stones i believe the reality stone mm -hmm. in an orb she's tasked by thanos to go get it yes then you've got um rocket and groot who are hunting quill because he's wanted and worth money and has a bounty on him and they're bounty hunters yes naturally naturally what else would a raccoon in a tree be doing and eventually they end up in prison be because they like all fight each other in the middle of this like city and they get they arrested like a bar or something i don't know where they are uh well so peter goes to sell the orb and the guy's like i don't want anything to do with this and then gamora starts attacking him and then rocket sees them and recognizes peter and they're like oh this guy's ours now and then they find <laughs> out that the orb's worth money and they're like this is ours too and then they all keep fighting each other, which is a great scene. Yes. And eventually they're all arrested, which is where they meet Drax. Yes. Who is hyper-literal. Yes. Which is No great. sense of sarcasm. No sarcasm at all. No. No. Which I love. Yes. So funny. <laughs> yes, he does well in these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody does, really. Yeah. They, they fit their characters really well. The chemistry between the five of them is amazing. Mm -hmm. They break out of prison... Uh, with some great shenanigans. And then then they're kind of a group. They're this motley group that uh, Dave Bautista's Drax has a vendetta against Ronan, the accuser, played by Lee Pace, who is one of the weakest elements of the movie. Yeah, me. he's sort of forgettable. He's almost, I feel like he's just kind of like a middling man between Thanos and everybody else. Yeah. Which, so, like, he even works underneath Thanos, but in this movie he's, like, trying to... I don't need you, Thanos. Yeah. I got the orb. I'll do the things I want to do. And so he wants to kill Ronan, which leads to many poor choices. <laughs> and because of Ronan's association with Thanos and the way that the group is um, constructed, it ultimately leads them all to having similar goals. Yes. And uh, becoming better people in the process. Yes. Or nicer people in the process. Yes at least so beyond the main cast michael rooker as i mentioned as the adopted or abducted father of uh chris pratt the abducting abducting adoptive father i guess <laughs> uh we get glenn close as the leader of nova Corps, which is where they're arrested yes nova system we get john c Riley in a very small role yes. that is very funny uh, we meet Benicio del Toro as the collector. Uh, the collector, yes. Yes. Um, we get our first look of Josh Brolin as Thanos, mm -hmm. uh, who I think we previously saw in an end credits scene, but not played by Josh Brolin. I think he was played by Nathan Fillion in that end credits scene. Oh. Fancy. Um, and a bunch of other 
small characters as well all throughout this film and uh, I don't know it's it's musical the 80s soundtrack is great Mm -hmm. the first scene we see with like Chris Pratt like dancing through the cave that scene just is wonderful so good I remember when the movie first opens and you see little Peter Quill getting abducted and I remember at that point too after knowing what I know about the characters and all this I'm like what (laughs) what is this movie what is happening and then you sort of get to him just dancing across the planet like drop kicking little aliens or whatever off into the distance Mm -hmm. like this movie I think just has a lot of really good not necessarily important scenes but really great just like little comedy like just random things going on that are very like memorable yes like the scene where he's dancing the scene where they're trying to figure out the escape plan from the prison yeah and they keep sending Groot Groot sometimes not a great listener no not great at execution Rocket giving very specific instructions to Groot of where he needs to go what he needs to do what he needs to get bring it all back you see Groot like concentrate very hard like okay I, I got understand. it. I'm on it. I'm Groot. I'm Groot. He and goes wandering off. Does the thing that they were supposed to do last first. Yep. Collects some other stuff he didn't really need. <laughs> yep. Yep. Comes trundling back over and's like, I am Groot. Like, here you go. And Rocket's yeah. like, this is not even at all what I fucking asked you to do. No. Try again. So there's like a few scenes of him just going might, back and forth. You might be conflating part two. Is this part two? When he's baby. Is it baby? Baby Groot. The, Baby Groot going uh, back and When forth? he tries to get the fin. Stealing the leg? The leg is in this one. Is but there, does it happen a couple times? No, I don't I don't think so. I, I don't know if it does it in the one. first one. I know it happens a lot in the second one with Baby Groot. Because does he have to... Is, do they have to escape from somewhere in the second one? I feel like it definitely had to do with he, them getting well, out of Rocket prison. and Michael Rooker are trapped... And Michael Rooker loses his fin, which controls the, like, little flying dart thingy. Yes, yes. And so they want to get the fin back, and he brings back, like, six or seven things that are oh, not yeah, the fin. Oh, yeah, maybe it's that. Yeah. Yeah. I think he brings back, like, a severed hand or something like that. <laughs> and he's like, how did you even... <laughs> yeah. Yes. But he absolutely has listening problems. Yes, I no. think the scene you were talking about where Rocket's like, this is what we got to do. This is the order we need to do it in. And lastly, we do this. And then, like, he keeps talking, and he's like, all right, Peter, I need you to do this. And, like, in the background, we see Groot yeah, so go over. Yeah, see Groot just go wandering off and just start doing things. It's like, <laughs> oh, uh, boom, do the thing. <laughs> and, like, all of a sudden, Havoc yes. and, like, got to scramble, which so is good. great. Anytime, I think and this speaks to more than just Marvel movies and comic movies, but anytime some characters, like, this, this, this need to happen, and immediately they cannot possibly happen in the yeah. order you are speci- yeah. specified. You know it's, it's not happening that way. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's also it's so good yeah. and creates and I think a this, lot of drama. These movies with Groot especially pull that off very well. Mm-hmm. And Drax, of course, like yeah, he's not great at following instructions either. No. He's like, no. he's like, what did you do? I called Ronan. <sighs> I need to attack him. I need to get my revenge. This was perfect. Was it? Was it? No. Um, so. I think, uh, arguably, definitely, I would have said it before Ragnarok came out, easily the funniest Marvel movie. Yes. I think it's top two, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. Uh, I think you can go either way. Yes. Well, every, anytime a movie has the phrase pelvic sorcery, <laughs> yes. it's probably going to score pretty well. The Gamora-Peter relationship. Yeah. Sort of burgeons in this film. Yes. Peter uh, trying to use the pelvic sorcery on people. Yeah. Yeah. There's... 
For some reason, he he flirts with her using um, what's the movie with Kevin Bacon, where he dances in the city that doesn't allow dancing. Oh, uh, um, why can't I think of the name of the movie? What is it? It's not Flashdance. No, no. It's, um, uh, and why were there so many '80s movies about dancing? I don't know. <laughs> Footloose. <laughs> yes, Footloose. I, I could hear. I could see foot. Footloose. He woos her with Footloose badly yeah. doesn't work that well no also we get introduced to another big character in this film uh which is karen gillen yes nebula gamora's sister S- stepsister i guess yeah sorta. i don't know whatever you want to call also it also a child of thanos or daughter of thanos technically since child of thanos is a different thing now question yeah i'm trying to remember where did nebula come from do they explain that because we know that he because they show in this movie where Gamora comes from, right? They show in Infinity War where Gamora comes from. That flashback when she's a kid. Yes. The that doesn't planet. show up till then. Okay. So we know yes. that he basically takes, adopts Gamora. Sort of like the same thing that happened with Peter Quill. Peter Quill sort of gets abducted and adopted. It's kind of what happens with Gamora. But I didn't know. Did they ever explain like where Nebula came from? Um, I don't think they do in the movies. Because he didn't, like, build her, right? She's not. No, she's... sort she's... of, like, almost part robot, but not exactly. Yeah, she explains that one in one of the movies that she was flesh and mm-hmm. blood, and then she would continuously fight with Gamora, and every time Gamora beat her, Thanos would replace part of her with machinery to mm-hmm. make her stronger, faster, better, stronger. And... Um... Yeah, I don't think they've really explained explained where she she originally came from i assume and i'm just gonna interpret that she probably what happened to her probably is the same thing that happened to gamora i would think so i almost feel like he probably got nebula first and then found gamora and gamora got to be the favorite daughter yeah that That seems to be kind of what's happened yes i think that's pretty true yeah uh yeah so we get karen gillen Mm -hmm. as nebula who i love um She's a fairly substantial role in this. She, when Gamora fails to get the orb, Thanos sends her after her. Yeah. they fight, and of course Gamora wins again, like yes. she kind of always does. Uh, <laughs> unfortunate. Well, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. But so, um, yeah, very funny movie, mm-hmm. and yet also perhaps the movie with some of the saddest moments in the franchise. Yeah. Kind of the end, end of the movie where everybody's, they're falling, basically like they're going to crash land on Earth. Mm-hmm. Groot, Groot sacrifices himself to protect everybody else, wraps them up in his twigs and branches, wraps everybody, wraps up everybody. <laughs> we are Groot. We are Groot. <laughs> very, very sad moment. And, uh, you know, we talked about how... Uh, Coulson was kind of the first time we really had stakes in the MCU. Uh, this moment, at the time at least, really felt like, wow, like this is a huge thing. You know, he just died, mm-hmm. basically. Yes. And uh, of course, we would later see Groot be reborn yes. from from a seed to a sapling by the end of this film's yes. end credits. The nice thing about trees is you can replant them. Yeah. 
but I mean, it's still, it's a very impactful moment. Mm-hmm. You know, you set up this character who says three words and <laughs> in the final moment introduces two new words to his vocabulary and it is literally devastating. Is a pretty impressive feat. Yes. I think. Uh, which is then, in my opinion, completely backtracked when Peter Quill defeats the main bad guy in this movie with a dance dance off. <laughs> which is hilarious and very, very stupid to me. <laughs> Pants off, dance off. Uh, uh, Ronan, of course, the villain, set up as a more than a physical threat for not only Drax, but probably the entire Guardians team. Yes. And recognizing this, Peter Quill's like, we're gonna, we're gonna do a dance-off. We're gonna do a dance-off right now. <laughs> it's me. It's me dancing. And uh, I'm dancing better than you are. Uh, singing a song while I'm dancing. And uh, also, I'm dancing. And uh, you're not dancing, so I'm winning. And uh, I distracted you, and now we defeat you. By stealing the Reality Stone. Which he and everybody else, except for Groot, grab in some capacity like daisy chain grab it to contain its power yes peter i think grabs and is basically gonna sacrifice himself to i don't know do whatever i don't know i think the basically the idea is like he's not gonna be able to withstand whatever the stone is doing right so then i think gamora grabs his hand but before we get but like how does that solve anything if he dies because he's not powerful enough, doesn't the thing just fall to the ground? And I think we see in this movie and later on that Peter Quill doesn't make good decisions always. Yeah. Doesn't think things through. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if it would blow up. I don't know if it would just do whatever it does and fall on the ground. I don't know. But anyway, Peter's idea is that he's gonna take one for the team, do whatever with the stone... Gamora grabs his hand to help absorb some of the energy or whatever. Drax and Rocket. Drax and Rocket sort of attach themselves on also. Yeah. One thing I liked, I liked uh, Yondu's arrow. So cool. That was really cool. The sort of whistling. Yes. Little whistle that he does. Arrow flies around. It's like kind of insane how powerful that thing is. He takes out like 30 guys in like a second. Yeah. That scene where, yeah, the arrow's just flying around, going yeah. through people's. Excellent. I'd like to know what that arrow was made out of. Yeah, I'd like to yeah, have a little <laughs> more understanding on that. And yeah. we don't get that in the next movie. No, no. We do really. get more great moments with the arrow. Though. Yes, we get more Which arrow, cool. but... Um, I could never use it. I can't whistle, so... I'm not a great whistler. Yeah. But, yeah. So, a lot of great stuff in Guardians. Mm-hmm. Both on the comedy and drama side of things. And uh, they defeat Ronan successfully. They give the reality stone to the collector. Yep. And they uh, head off on their own adventure as a team. They're a team. The Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. It's cool. It's fun. It's It's a great stuff. Yes. Uh, and so, this is probably the last movie we're going to talk about in this episode, actually. Yes. I would, I had hopes to ending Phase 2, but because Phase 2 ends with Ant-Man instead of Avengers Age of Ultron, I feel like this would be yeah. a good place to stop, too. 
Yeah, it makes sense. We got to the next next event next event movie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good yep. with that. Okay, cool. So, this has all been leading up, sort of, because Guardians has absolutely no bearing on Age of Ultron. But no, we're all leading up to Avengers: Age of Ultron, which man, the first Avengers came out, everyone loved it. It made a huge amount of money at the box office. Mm-hmm. Hype was so real for Avengers: Age of Ultron, and the villain Ultron is an AI robot in this movie, voiced by. Uh, uh, James Spader mm-hmm. right? Yep, I think Yes, James Spader I remember, before this movie came out I was on the phone with a friend of mine talking about it, Hadn't nobody had seen it yet just saw the trailers, just knew what I knew about it I thought James Spader as Ultron was going to be one of the best villains of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I thought he, I thought I was like, man, he has got a great voice. The trailers give him so much great material. This yeah. is going to be so exciting, yeah. so much fun. James Spader himself, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, he's great. And I, I just, I had so many high hopes for this. And they all came crashing down. They, not as much <laughs> as that, but they definitely uh, uh, did not meet my expectations. No, no, no. I was. I think after I saw it, I was like, this is not as good as The Avengers. No. But I don't think this is a bad movie. I thought this was pretty good. And every time I go back and rewatch <laughs> it, it gets a little worse. And a little worse. And a little worse. There's... So the problem... here. Here's my... Here's what I think the main problem is. First Avengers. You're meeting all these characters that we already know. The villain is somebody we already know. Mm-hmm. You don't really have to introduce many characters to this movie. No. You get Hawkeye, Maria Hill, yeah, some my, minor, minor characters, characters, not like huge prominent yeah. roles. Yeah, Hawkeye's pretty important, but yeah, yeah. Well, everybody else sort of. Eh. Age of Ultron, we get Ultron. Yep. We get Vision. Yep. We get uh, Scarlet Witch. Yep. We get Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. That's not only... And then on top of that, we have everybody from the first Avengers movie. And then every new main character that was introduced in all the previous uh, Phase 2 movies. Yeah. Like Anthony Mackie. Mm-hmm. Like... Shows up. Uh, uh, Jeremy Renner's back. And Black Widow. We get Hulk comes back again in this one. Haley Atwell is in this movie. Idris Elba is in this movie. Stellan Skarsgård is in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um... It just, over and over, we get introduced to Hawkeye's wife, Linda Cardellini, in this movie. It's mm-hmm. so, so much. It's a lot. It is a lot. And uh, I think Joss Whedon came back to do this one, and I think he bit off way more than he could chew. Yes. We, this isn't to, we get um, Josh Brolin as Thanos in a mid credit <laughs> sequence. We get uh, Andy Serkis as Claw. In this movie, makes an appearance. We get Carrie Condon, who voices the other artificial intelligence thing of Tony Stark's Friday, after Jarvis manifests as a real thing of the Vision. There's so many things. There's way too much going on in this movie. Yeah, there are some great ideas and some a few good things, but yeah, there's just like way too much going on in this movie. There could have been a big chunk of it I could have really done without. I agree. Yeah. So here's here's premise of this is that Tony, and this is a Tony Stark movie, I think, first and foremost, because we watched him in Iron Man, 
my weapons are killing people. I don't want to do that anymore. I think I get much more of an Iron Man vibe, I think, from this one than an Avengers vibe, necessarily. It just happens to be that everybody else is here. Right. Uh, we get Iron Man 2, where, oh, somebody's mass-producing my thing, and uh, I don't want that to happen, because that's very dangerous. We get Iron Man 3, where doesn't really play into that role as much, but, you know, he's struggling with his drinking. He's struggling with, you know, making the suits. He's obsessed with protecting people with protecting the planet he talks about putting a shield of armor around earth and in this the spark is that he creates ultron an ai system intending to protect protect earth Earth. and of course as all frankenstein (laughs) monster ai creations do uh if anybody's seen irobot or any other such films once you become a sentient artificial intelligence, you slowly begin to realize that the biggest issue with Earth is humans. Yes, not wrong, but not exactly what Tony Stark was going for. Not the intention. And in this case, specifically the Avengers. Yeah. And I think, in hindsight, once you get to like the Civil War era of the movies, and you look back on this, there's actually a little bit of like, oh, there's, there's a, like a connecting thread here, like... He's realizing what it's taking the governments of the world to realize much faster. Yes. Like, these guys create so much collateral damage. Yes. Everybody is dying. They're not really saving people. Yes. Even though they have good intentions, they're basically destroying a bunch of stuff in their Mm -hmm. quest to try and help. Yes. And half the time, all of these people are coming to attack them. (laughs) Yes. You know, they're not... Sometimes they might be going after Earth, but a lot of times, like, I'm gonna go mess with this person. I'm gonna go do this. It's like, what's that? Tony Stark has become a huge superhero and he once spit at me while I was a fan of his <laughs> at like some expo. I'm going to blow everything up. I'm a supervillain now. Yeah. And so, so Ultron comes to these realizations, yeah. turns itself into a robot, artificial intelligence yeah. being. And basically pieces out, goes off and does his own thing. Like, I'm going to get rid of these guys. Yes. I'm going to do my job protect the earth from the avengers and i think there's again you mentioned it earlier like there's so many good ideas i think the fact that ultron is basically just a a part of tony's mind amplified Mm -hmm. is so interesting i think there's so much you can get from that yeah kind of like his paranoia like i'm i did all this stuff that's bad i need to do something to fix it Mm -hmm. which is basically then him realizing like i'm the problem yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes you know, it's you know, you amplify this part of him enough, and he's like, "Wait a second, the other parts of me are not great, and I gotta get rid of it all." Uh, you have all these aspects, and and what's worse is that it ultimately leads to the Sokovia incident, where Ultron lifts this huge chunk of Earth out of the Earth, <laughs> intending to turn it into an asteroid yes. meteorite that crashes down and destroys everything silly but whatever and um but it ends up killing so many people yes and it's unlike some of the other villains in other movies and again i like this part of it tony made this thing like this isn't just some alien that came out it's not loki just coming like i'm gonna take over the world by causing this big incident and then being like i am the hero right yeah it's like ah shit this is one of my things that i made that went off and did its own thing and yes it would be like if collectively the iron man suits just all like took off and just started Mm -hmm. blowing everything up yes whoops Uh uh-oh 
My bad. My bad. So there's that. Yes. Which, again, I like part of it, but I think, again, it's kind of poorly executed. Um, this is a... Uh, so Banner, Hulk, helps him mm-hmm. develop yep. the intelligence. They use um, the gem from Loki's scepter mm-hmm. to create the intelligence and what ultimately ends up uh, creating the sentient Ultron. But then, byproduct... They create Vision. Who I will always call Jarvis, and I will never call Vision. Yeah, so Jarvis, ha- we haven't ever talked about Jarvis, actually. No. Jarvis is sort of like Tony's AI in his house, almost like his AI butler. Yes. Kind of go around his house, he can be like, oh, Jarvis, pull up a map of this. Like, Jarvis, Siri. give me this. Yeah, Jarvis is basically Siri. Yeah. Like, uh, send me suit, you know, 13. Like, give me this, do this, do that. Jarvis kind of has his own voice. He always has has had Paul Bettany. He's always been Paul Bettany. Yep. Do you know what Jarvis stands for? I know it stands for, I know it's initials, but no, I don't. Just a rather very intelligent system. (sighs) (laughs) Um, Fun fact, though, you never watched the shows. I did not. But in Agent Carter, since that takes place in like the 40s, 50s, Jarvis was actually the butler of Howard Stark. I think, yeah, I think I knew that. Played by somebody else. Um... He was not Paul Bettany, but no, some I, like. I feel like he's meant. Is he mentioned in the movies? I feel like that is mentioned. Might be somewhere. Referenced, I'm not sure if it was just like in passing or something. Not. Oh, oh! In in Endgame, mm-hmm. it all comes back to. Endgame. All comes back to Endgame. When they go back in time and he meets his dad. Yes. Doesn't Jarvis, Jarvis is there. with his dad? Yes. And the, the guy who plays him in that is the guy who plays him in the TV show. Yes. That's where we are. Because I think they're in the elevator or something, and um, Tony Stark's dad says something. He's like Jarvis. Like I feel like I know that guy. And Jarvis is like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Yeah, so we get Paul Bettany's vision, and he is, he's got the stone in his forehead, the soul stone, Mm -hmm. which... Isn't the mind stone? Mind stone? That's right. Yes. You're right. Mind stone. Soul stone is the other one. Mm -hmm. There's six of them. (laughs) Too many many stones. uh, Which, if I'm not mistaken, is what's giving him life. Mm -hmm. Yes. And... Because that comes up later. Yes. And because he is a his, he's created as a byproduct of Tony's AI Ultron thing, everybody's like, who is this? But, and I think, I love this, the introduction we get to him is he picks up Thor's hammer and he's like, you dropped this. <laughs> yes. Basically. <laughs> and we had a scene right before that of, like, everyone trying to, like, lift the hammer. Yeah, just, like, a contest of, like, I bet I could pick the hammer up. like, how, how, how big is your dick? Yeah. And Scarlet Witch is like, or Black Widow's like, I don't need to, I don't need that. I don't need to participate in this. I don't need that. <laughs> but, like, we get, we get, like, Tony trying to pull it. Yeah. Nothing. He and uh, uh, Don Cheadle both try to do it. Nothing. Yeah. Um, I think, I think they get... Uh, we already saw in the previous in one of the previous movies Hulk try to grab the hammer mm-hmm. and he couldn't. I don't yeah. think he does it in this one because I don't yeah. think he turns into the Hulk. But then we get Captain America, and it budges. Yeah. And I love the look on Chris Hemsworth's face. He's like, he like he like swallows his gum basically <laughs> kind of thing. Like he just like whoa, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, sure, no chance. Uh... That was great. So it's a it's a point. And then when Vision just picks it up like nothing. Like, oh, here. It's 
it's it's it's and, you know and he treats it like nothing but everybody else is like holy shit it's like a needle drop moment it's like a or needle scratch moment rather where all of a sudden like okay i think we can trust this guy he's clearly a worthy person he can pick up the hammer thor's like i believe in this guy yes basically which is good no no need to like jump through like 20 minutes of exposition to figure out that vision's a good guy yeah fine and if i think if the movie was just that i would like it so much more mm-hmm. but then we introduce all the other things yeah so of the things that are introduced one thing that i liked um i like that they show hawkeye's family showing kind of like face he's just like a normal dude yeah basically and i like I, what i really like is that natasha gets to, they all get to the house mm-hmm. and natasha just comes barging in like she owns the place is talking to all the kids talking to his wife like clearly she has been there before yes i really like that moment that it kind of shows like you don't see it necessarily in the movies manifest as much but you can see that hawkeye and natasha are like close mm-hmm. good friends it's and a great way to say a lot by saying very little yes yeah and i like too obviously that sets up Goes back to Endgame. Sets up for some stuff in Endgame that I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I One thing they introduced that I did not like was the Hulk and Natasha being some sort of romantic thing, which I don't even, I didn't even see any kind of setup for. It just no. seems like all of a sudden they're just like, I love you. Hey. You're hot, I'm hot. Let's do it. Yeah. But also, I'm Mark Ruffalo, so I'm not like that hot. And even if I'm the Hulk, I'm not that hot. It's kind of like dad hot. I guess. Yeah. Not my Mark Ruffalo. But like... But like when you're surrounded by the Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth. Like her and Chris Evans, great chemistry. Yeah. Even her and Hawkeye, granted he's married, and I think they're more kind of like, eh, buddies, but like the chemistry between the two people is good. And then... I just did not get that with those two at all. I'm not sure what they saw in it. I think it's a a misfire. And Mm -hmm. I wish... Like they and tried it, to it sets up stuff for other, the rest of it. Because like they tried to do things. that with Cap and Sharon Carter, yeah. and then when people were like, "This doesn't," I don't like this. No, they like they went away from it. Right. And well, I guess they kind of didn't because it was still in Civil War, wasn't it? But she was still around, yeah. Because like they kissed in Civil War, but it's still like it permeates through the other Avengers movies after this and i was just like yeah. i don't i just didn't i never got it Mm-mm. i think when the the scenes the scene came up because it's the first scene with them they're sort of are they in like it's they're... natasha took a shower or something, something. like in the bedroom or like whatever just sort of not implying that they had been doing anything but like no. natasha had showered and they're sort of hanging out and she's all like oh we could be a thing yeah yeah and mark ruffalo's like uh but i'm also uh, a green monster yeah what if I turn to a big green monster and squish you? Like, yeah. mm, problematic. A little bit. <laughs> there, there's some issues they have to get through. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, not not a fan of that. Yeah. The twins. The twins appear. Because doesn't Ultron... How, he finds them. Uh, let me see. I don't remember how exactly he found them. We get... But that's where they first come up, is they're going to be... Ultron's henchmen basically until they figure out what's going on. Yes. Because they have, they want vengeance against Tony because Tony, I think, again, 
as usual, Tony killed killed somehow. their family somehow with uh, his shenanigans. So what happens? So Ultron has a particular um, base that he wants to start his operations, and that is the base where they're being held. Mm. Quicksilver and, and <laughs> conveniently located. Yeah, how how fortunate. These random kids in Russia. And he agrees. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, you hate Tony Stark? I hate Tony Stark." And they're like, "Okay, great. Yeah, let's work together." And uh, cool. And so when they go, so then he goes to Andy Circus, Ulysses Claw, to obtain vibranium. Wakandan vibranium. Wakandan. Uh, that's the first time the Maximoff twins meet the Avengers, and. On, like, any given day, I'd say the Avengers are far more powerful than the Maximoff twins. But on this day, because they're like, I don't know who the hell these people are. (laughs) Yes, they sort of got uh, bamboozled. (laughs) Like, I didn't know there was a speedster. I didn't know she could, like, give you visions in your head. Witchy stuff. Witchcraft. They completely dismantle the Avengers, and it's not even close. Yeah. Which I like. The element of surprise works well against them, apparently. I like that. Yeah. Still. Uh, we get because when you think about it, really, like Hawkeye, he doesn't have any special powers. Nope. Like uh, we said before. Yeah, Black Widow doesn't have special powers. No. Nope. Captain America is super strong, but other than that, he doesn't really have powers. Like military trained, super strong dude. Nope. Uh, Tony has his Suit. suits, which is helpful. Um, and Hulk is Hulk, Hulk. which is a thing. Yeah. But he's the one that's tricked. And distorted and controlled and goes on a rampage. And yes. Tony has to get on the Hulkbuster suit, the giant Iron <laughs> yes. Man suit, and stop him. Yes. Leading to many casualties that had no villain present. No. Not a good look. No, not great. Uh, yeah. Um, of the twins, re- did not care for Quicksilver. Didn't really have any interest in him at all. Mm-mm. I liked... Wanda more. Mm-hmm. More so, I think, in the later movies than necessarily when she was introduced. One thing I enjoy is that she dropped that really bad Russian accent in the later movies and just spoke in a normal voice, which yes. was a much better decision. I thought Aaron Taylor Johnson does a good job with the accent. I thought. She does not. No. I get that kind of need to... Like if they're supposed to be Russian, granted, you would Fine. think they would have an accent. But yeah, hers was not great. I'm glad they didn't try and keep that going no. later um yeah and sidebar i'm intrigued by what they're gonna do with black widow since wasn't she doesn't her movies take place in russia i think so Florence Pugh is in it she's has a russian russian accent does she yeah in the no. trailers yeah russian spoilers russian to you spoilers russian to you. spoilers to me russian um I just have problems with things like that. I need to know why she has a Russian accent and Natasha does not. Natasha Romanoff, very Russian-y. Well, I bet that part of her training was dropping the Russian accent. I don't Or at least developing an English accent or American accent. Why wouldn't it be? She's a spy. I don't know. I have questions. I have answers. I am skeptical. I'm giving you answers. I reject your answers. Well, you're worthless then. (laughs) Um, So... This all kind of leads us to a final fight. And because Ultron uh, loses his hold over the twins, they turn to the good side. Yes, once they find out, they think that they're just going to go get rid of Tony Stark. And they're like, cool, we're on board with that. Yep. Then they find out, like, we're going to destroy half of the Earth. 
Yeah. And they're like, okay, that's Wait a little a too far. <laughs> it's like we, That's not what we signed up for. We had one person we want to kill, not 100 million people we wanted yeah. to kill. You're at about a 10. We were at like a 2. <sighs> so everybody's against Ultron. And, uh, I mean, Ultron himself is not particularly powerful. Like, he's very smart. He's very intelligent. He's He's got access to literally anything he ever wants through any sort of connection of computer technology so to kind of supplement that he makes more of himself he there's and and the problem is i think i'm pretty sure in the final action the sequence like it's not like there's an ultron and then there's all the not ultrons he's just whichever one he wants to be i think is the situation uh which is at least somewhat more interesting than him and everything else Mm mm-hmm but at the same time, it's like, they're all identical. They could all not be or be Ultron. And it's just like, it weakens what I feel like Ultron is, in a sense. Maybe. Kind of. I don't know. It's just a lot of CGI thrown at the screen. Yeah. Similar to the first Avengers movie. It's almost like he turned into all of the Tony Stark. Yeah. Like, suits. suits. Yeah. Agreed. Sort of the same idea, but ultron yeah. Yeah. Uh, it does give us some good scenes, some action scenes, uh, where they're all defending the button. The doomsday button. The doomsday button. Silly. Uh, which is great. Like, seeing everybody, like, fighting constantly at the same time, punching and kicking, using their magic, da-da-da-da. I like that, but I don't like why we get there in that way. I saw, uh, like, a late-night talk show interview with Elizabeth Olsen. Mm-hmm. talking about age of ultron and specifically that scene where they're all fighting together and she's like it was so like i don't know who she was which show it was on but the guy was like well t- tell me like how cool is it to be like an avenger to be like fighting alongside all these other people and she's like i mean it's great but they're all doing real stunts and i'm just like waving my hands around <laughs> oh no <laughs> it's true <laughs> it's like yeah pretty accurate yeah that's kind of her move. Most of the movies is like shoving out her arms. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, she's good at it. I buy it. Yeah. They do. Seems good. legit. The, the effects work, but yeah, better no, than her accent. It. Yeah, much better than her accent. Yeah. So. Uh, her yeah. arm flailing is better than her accent doings. Yes. yes. <sighs> I think Vision ultimately defeats Ultron. Uh, they save as many people as they can. Quicksilver gets killed. Yeah. Which I don't mind. It is fine. He's okay. Yeah. And uh, they save, quotation marks, Sokovia, and <laughs> a lot of. of people die in the process. Yeah. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. So, this, so then we get to the end of the movie. Yep. We get this final Hulk, Black Widow exchange, yep. and... He flies away in a Quinjet. Yep, he... And she's on the monitor. Yep, trying to talk him into staying, and he... It's, he feels like he's too dangerous. He can't really control his Hulkness that great. He doesn't want to yep. endanger anybody else. He has, really doesn't want to endanger her, so his solution is just flying off into nowheresville. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, a silly element, but... What it ultimately gives us with Hulk, totally worth it. 
Yes, exactly. Totally worth it. Yes, the payoff of this <laughs> happening is great. If I had to deal with Natasha and Hulk being rom- vaguely romantically interconnected to the point where Hulk's like, I need to leave. Right. That's fine. I will accept it. Yes. Um, then we get a new shield base of operations. Yes, and that was one thing that I really liked, is kind of showing... The Avengers base. Yeah, the Avengers base and Cap and Natasha basically training the new new quote-unquote Avengers, Falcon and Jarvis and Wanda, and uh, I think Don Cheadle's there too, right? Yep. Yep. The oldest Avenger. <laughs> I guess Captain America's the oldest. Well, I guess Thor's the oldest Avenger, but... Te- technically. The oldest actor playing an Avenger. Yeah, Prime Human Years, the oldest <laughs> Avenger. Yes. In, in lived human years, at least. Uh, which is fun. Um, we get that, which is cool. Um, Hawkeye retires to go yeah. be with his family. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Get him out of the movies. I, As much as, as interesting as he may or may not be. I like Hawkeye. I like Jeremy Renner, but he's not really... He's not as central to most of what's happening as anybody else is. No. And I think by getting him out of the movies, it makes the scene in Endgame that much more powerful mm-hmm. i think which yes. it is a great scene so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm cool with that um and then uh we get a mid-credit scene thanos mm-hmm. putting on the infinity gauntlet dun, dun, dun. saying i'll do it myself mm-hmm. which is great yes i don't know that they could have teed up infinity war slash endgame any better this one scene from what would it be it would be uh, three years before infinity war would come out all the hype you need with what one two three four five six seven movies in between (laughs) yes yes that really don't have anything to do with thanos at all no there's some bits and pieces i think of some of the infinity stones and such in them but yeah that's about it uh i don't know is there anything else you want to add to age of ultron so we can keep on keeping on yep and this one's not not great no it is definitely the weakest avengers movie yeah it's in kind of the meh, mm. eh tier uh, no thanks um this will be the last movie that joss whedon directed womp 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 he would uh hand over the reins to the Rousseau brothers for the avengers movies which probably turned out better i like joss joss whedon but i think he the last two, I feel like, Avengers movies are much improved upon the first two. I think he needs... I think he works much better with, like, smaller-scale stuff. Yes. Like like a Buffy. Like a Dr. Horrible sing-along blog. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all that stuff. Yes. Um, yeah. Which just leaves Ant-Man as the last movie in Phase 2, but we will get to that next time. Ant-Man. So, Ant-Man. The best trailer the MCU has ever made. The stupidest trailer the I've ever seen. best trailer. I'm going to play the audio clip on, on here next okay. time we do it. Please it's do. It's so good. It's so stupid. It's so good. <laughs> Every trailer should just be that. No. Two of your stars singing, vocalizing, humming, beatboxing, scatting a thing. And it's just like, damn it. It's great. It's, <laughs> so it's, it's great. I love it. <laughs> no. It's so good. Um, that's it, though. That's it for yeah. now yeah uh so this episode coming out releasing january 27th um if you hear it then after it comes out just know 
some of the future episodes, future parts of the MCU retrospective look back, will probably be recorded already and probably already be on Patreon mm -hmm. if you are a Patreon subscriber. Yeah. Early um, access. Early Who access. Who doesn't want to listen to me? All you have to do is get subscribed for a minimum of eight cents an episode. Can't okay. beat it. No, very cheap. Yep. My man is cheap. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, I got to thank Brian, <gasps> Patreon subscriber. Love you, BB. Got to thank him on every episode, as long as he's a subscriber right now. Yay. Appreciate it. It's not a, that's not me saying I hate that I have to do that. It's me like, yes, I'm happy to do it. Yes. Totally worth it. Uh, if you want to find other episodes, including the previous Marvel and future Marvel episodes, depending on when you're listening to this, find them on iTunes, Stitcher, places where podcasts can be found, and the website, circleoffilm.com, in addition to many other things. You can find me on Twitter, at Circle of Film. If you would like to find Meg on Twitter. Yep, at Algoferos, A-L-G-O-F-E-R-O-Z. Where you retweet things from other people, primarily. Primarily, yeah. yes. It's great. Yep. Usually uh, about sports ball. It's going to, coming up is race ball season. Zoomies. There'll be a lot of zoomie tweeting. Yes. That's yeah. NASCAR. Yes. For the layman. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Letterboxd at Circle of Film. You can email circleoffilm at gmail.com about anything at all. If you if you ranked, if you have your own personal rankings of the MCU films, I'd be happy to look at them. See, yeah. see what you think. Yeah. Let me know. If people want to send them in, we could uh, compare the listener average to our ranks later the, on. Yeah, when we get to the end in yeah. like seven episodes. We can tell you how wrong you all are. So, mm -hmm. or, yeah. Maybe. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you'd like to support the show, but Patreon, just not something you can feasibly allow at this time, I understand. You can like the show, rate the show, review it, subscribe to it, tell somebody about it. Just like, hey, coworker Bob, I listen to this podcast, and I think you should too. You like the MCU. Yeah. Listen, listen in. Uh, but really, the best thing you can do is just listen. That matters the most. All right, that's going to be it for today's episode. Thanks for listening, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same tonight. I know she'll never. Even as she fades from view So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu Nothing's really left or lost without a trace Nothing's gone forever, only out of place So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute.